Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And our special guest today is Dr. Jeff Berger, Medical Director of Catholic Guest House, a rehabilitation center in Michigan, helping people who struggle with alcoholism and other addictions. Dr. Jeff is also a member of the Catholic Medical Association. And our topic today will be marijuana and the evils of marijuana. So how long have you been uh, with Guest House? Been with Guest House since November of uh, 2014, but I've been active in addiction medicine for 30, over 35 years. Okay, so what, what made you, and actually what, what prompted uh, the interview was an article that you participated in from Legatus Magazine, and I was just curious in terms of what, what kind of had you focus in on marijuana and its, and its really dangers to people. Well, it, there are a number of things that concern me. One is the amount of confusion surrounding marijuana, and number two is the immense push that's being given uh, nationwide to legalizing marijuana uh, at this point in time recreationally. Well, and, uh, you know, having lived in Colorado for as long as I have now and, and it being legal, I mean, you can see it everywhere. I've been at restaurants where there's a medical or a marijuana dispensary next door, and people are just streaming out of there, women in, with baby carriages. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. they're giving stuff away. Wow. Um, so is, you know, sometimes I've heard marijuana referred to as a gateway drug to other drugs. What, what, is your, what are your thoughts on that from your experience? That's a highly controversial uh, topic, and uh, I think it started back when people started making fun of Reefer Madness, that old movie from the 1940s, um, which wasn't at all anything but a melodramatic uh, way to um, demonstrate what was perceived to be the evils of marijuana at that point in time. Um, having said that, we have considerable evidence now that marijuana actually does function as a gateway drug. Um, it, uh, We know that for example, people who use marijuana are much more likely to have an opiate use disorder. That means an opiate addiction later in their life. Um, we know that, uh, I know from practical experience of having worked in addiction medicine for this long, almost everybody that I see comes to me. They've, they have tried marijuana as one of the first two or three drugs that they've ever tried in their life, the other two usually being alcohol and nicotine. <clears throat> so there's... I mean, there's other more indirect evidence, but I think those are the easiest ones to 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 bring up at the beginning here. Yeah, and uh, does it matter? Um, you know, when I was looking at some uh, articles and doing some research, it seems to be that the younger you start, the more susceptible that you might become to a, a drug addiction issue. With marijuana, that's especially yes. that's true in general, both with alcohol and other drugs. But with marijuana, the, the statistics are pretty clear. 9% uh, if you're using it as an adult is a risk of an actual addiction, a full-blown addiction to marijuana. And the risks are, are almost double that at about 16 17% if you start using marijuana during adolescence. And does the, uh, the regularity of which you use it also dictate that at a young age, too? I mean, if you're like a daily user, does that make you even more susceptible? Do those numbers even increase more? Yes. The more you smoke on a daily basis, the higher your likelihood of becoming addicted to the drug later in so, life. So in your practice, have you dealt with teens that are struggling with it, or do you usually get people who 
now as an adult realize they have a problem? What, what, what kind of people do you usually see? Yeah, before coming into guest house, it was mostly um, it, what we saw mostly was uh, people who had used marijuana earlier in life and then had since abandoned it for, in terms of other more potent drugs. Okay. Um, you know, we also have the issue of edibles. And, you know, I know we, I read in the paper quite frequently, you know, children and other people, you know, having to go to the emergency room because of ODing on okay. edibles. What are, what are your experiences with that? How are edibles different than actually smoking the drug? You know, it's, it reminds me of, uh, see, I'm, I'm really old. <laughs> <laughs> but um, there's, back back in the day of the 60s, uh, people were were there was a drug around called Angel Dust, which was fencyclidine. Um, well, I guess Angel I'm old because I remember that too. You remember that one? Okay, we're both the same <laughs> <laughs> the same dotage. Okay, but uh, what would happen is that if you overdosed on fencyclidine, um, it was a nasty, nasty overdose, and you wound up on a psych unit, uh, you know, on restraints or a monitored condition, and because your behavior was so impaired, um, that happened almost exclusively with with oral ingestion of the drug. Um, when people were smoking the drug, there's, there was kind of a, mm. a a titration effect that when they became so impaired that they were beginning to pose a danger to themselves or others, they w were no longer able to smoke. <laughs> so the cigarette would fall down um, and they would uh, be a danger of burning something or burning, you know, but uh, they wouldn't be in danger of running around with a knife and, and uh, attacking people, for example. Um, so, and I think that's very similar to marijuana. It's difficult to know how much you're getting in an edible. Um, right. And it's difficult to know what's what's the how much THC is there and how much of protective CBD is there. So you don't know the potency and what kind of effects it's going to have when you're smoking marijuana. You're more apt um, again to become in, so impaired that you drop the cigarette before anything bad happens and you wind up in a hospital ER. Although that's not always the case, but that's just less likely to happen smoking. One of the other things I read about edibles was that because when you eat it, it gets it takes longer to get into your bloodstream. So you might be eating a lot before you really realize you have any effect to it. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. So you, 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 when you smoke something, you know the delay in getting to your brain is is just a few seconds uh, or a few minutes, and when you um, are eating, it could be thirty to to ninety minutes. So yeah, it, it's much more dangerous to do it that way. And you had mentioned just a minute ago regarding THC, and that's. Can you explain what that is and how that's really important in terms of how how strong or weak it is that, that it can affect you? Sure. So the um, THC is one of the active compounds in marijuana. Now, there's a lot of other, probably over a hundred other compounds in marijuana that are similar. They're related to a chemical class called cannabinoids. Uh, THC is one of those, and it's the most potent psychoactive component, component of, of marijuana that we know of right now. Um, THC content back in, in the days when the Beatles were singing about the yellow submarine was somewhere around 4%. Right. Uh, THC content now can be, uh, standard is around 12%, but can be as high as strains have been hybridized to yield up to 30 to 31% THC. So one of the things that happen is, uh, for example, I recently talked to somebody 
um, who told me that, yeah, I, when I asked him about this phenomenon, he said, yeah, you know, I can only do three or four hits off these new cigarettes because I'm already wacko by the time I get three or four hits. And this is an experienced user. Um, so people who don't know what they're getting uh, and would tend to uh, ingest way too much of the drug have much more serious side effects. Um, there's another compound in marijuana called CBD or cannabidiol. Uh-huh. Um, this is, is an interesting compound from my standpoint. It was been ident- it's been identified since the 1970s. Uh, it, it has never been shown to have any addictive qualities in it at all, although THC in itself is addictive. Uh, it is probably the addictive component of marijuana. THC protects against a lot of the bad effects of marijuana, the psychosis, for example. Um, it may also uh, protect against intoxication. And something that produces, you know, produces antagonism to marijuana as high as you can imagine would be not desired by those people who are desiring to get high. So the newer strains of, of marijuana <clears throat> often have very low CBD content so that one gets a more fuller effect of the THC that's present in, in the marijuana plant. So how does one know when one buys uh, buys marijuana? I mean, maybe they can when it's regulated here in Colorado, but just in general, how do they know how much THC is in the marijuana they're buying? You, you don't. Um, <laughs> actually, it's like a crap I, I took a. I, it is. I took a picture of of, um, of a can of, uh, of a package of catnip. <laughs> I showed it to people and asked them how much THC was in it. I got a whole variety of guesses. And I said, well, at least I know what's in here. This is catnip and there's nothing in there, but I don't know what you're getting when you buy stuff. And neither does anybody else. No, and they don't know what pesticides or insecticides might have been applied to the growing plants. They don't know what else might be the THC might be laced with to make it, quote, more desirable, unquote. Uh, you don't know any of those sorts of things. <clears throat> And you had mentioned that you had actually mentioned alcohol before. You know, a lot of people misrepresent and say, "Well, it's the same as alcohol." It's really not, is it? Well, you know, here's the thing. I, I've pondered this a long time, and actually, uh, I am borrowing from uh, one of the presenters at a CMA conference in the past uh, a number of years ago. But I've pondered this concept since then. Um, what she said was. The, um, it was one of the Dominican sisters of Nashville who, who gave the presentation. Oh, my daughter's and actually a Nashville said, Dominican. Oh, uh, maybe it was okay. No, 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 no. Great I'm sure she did. No, yeah, I know she didn't give it, but uh, yeah, I know they're they're very good on this kind of stuff. But yeah, what were you saying? They're very good. Well, the point that she made was that um, one can drink alcohol if one's not an alcoholic and enjoy the taste, enjoy the aroma, and enjoy the the color or anything else about, for example, right. a glass of wine without becoming intoxicated. Okay. And intoxication, I would put forth, is is a, a condition where one surrenders the use of one's reason mm-hmm. to something or someone else. Um, and in the case of, so that one can, you can drink wine without surrendering your reason unless you drink more to the point where you have surrendered your reason. And most people don't do that repeatedly unless they're alcoholics. But the whole purpose of smoking a joint of marijuana is to get intoxicated. There is no such thing. When they talk about recreational use, it means it's done simply for the um, the euphorogenic experience. 
and it necessarily entails that necessarily entails intoxication. Yeah, which is why you do it. And here's the other thing that you had mentioned before. If you buy a bottle of wine or a beer, the alcohol content is on there. When you're doing marijuana, you have no idea what you're doing. No, you don't. So, yeah, they, they are, their sole goal is to get high. Um, how, if, you know, if somebody has a loved one that they're, that they're worried about, what are some of the symptoms or signs that they should be aware of uh, to see that, you know, maybe they are uh, using marijuana. Are there any symptoms that somebody can identify? Um, you know, there's, um, yes, there are. So there's changes in mood, sudden changes in mood um, would be one of the symptoms, people falling asleep or um, uh, unexpectedly or improper times, uh, Marijuana can produce an impairment in short-term memory, so someone may not remember something that was said before. Um, you know, I, a couple of years ago, the CMA had a conference in, in Denver, and I remember walking up and down, I believe at 16th Street there, uh-huh. um, yeah. and uh, looking at the vacant, glassy eyes in, in the marijuana users out on, on the street there. That, that, is, that was, uh, once you see that look, <laughs> you'll recognize it anywhere. Aside from that, um, there are just the usual signs of addiction, people being absent, not accounting for their time, uh, money disappearing or strange friends uh, developing, those sorts of things or would also be worrisome for um, drug use or addiction, addiction forming of anything. Well, I would imagine if, you, if we're talking about kids in school, grades would suffer because if you're dealing with memory issues and, and all those other things, there's no way you're going to be able to keep your grades up. Absolutely. Absolutely, you don't. Yeah. So, I mean, what, what, and I don't remember looking at this, but what is the average age that kids are starting to use marijuana now? Do you have any idea? Ballparks? I mean, somebody yeah, in the teens. It's somewhere between eight, yeah, eight to 12. Eight to 12. It would be the, yeah, it's getting lower and lower and lower. Wow. Wow. <clears throat> That's amazing. And you wonder how they get it probably from mom and pop or whatever they find lying around the house or maybe at school or whatever. Yep, it just has permeated our our society. So you just don't mm-hmm. don't know when you're where a kid can get a get a hold of it. It can be anywhere. Right. And you had a, a Beatles reference earlier, but I think a lot of people still live in the air. They think, you know, the marijuana of today is is what it was back when they were a kid in school. So they don't think it's like a big deal. Or as big a deal. That's correct. That's correct. And I think that's part of the myth that's been played on. Um, that uh, if you if you go online, the one of the things that, that really amazes me is the almost evangelistic quality of marijuana users. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of, if you look at a lot of the websites that have to do with marijuana, there's this sort of drive to get everybody uh, to use marijuana. Uh, and to experience what they're experiencing, um, that is, which is amazing to me because I really don't see that too much with any other drug, um, but it's present with marijuana. Yeah, it's almost it's glorified. <clears throat> yes, absolutely. And the other thing is that there's a huge, I mean, there's a huge industry waiting out there to blossom uh, from legalization of marijuana. Yeah, and it kind of you know, and that reminds me, it kind of starts off. 
you know, most of the states that, that approve it, and it happened here as well, and I know others, you know, they start off with medical marijuana. And, you know, that's just yes. the next step before they legalize it totally. So what, what are the benefits? How beneficial is medical marijuana? Well, it's difficult to say what medical marijuana is precisely for the reasons that, that you've raised before. You really don't know what you're getting. Uh-huh. Um so um there there um uh, is only one actual medical marijuana that's you know standardized has been approved by and it's not approved by the FDA and it's not for sale in this country but a medication called Sativix which is a very high uh CBD content um marijuana preparation um and it's you know it's been marijuana itself has been prompted uh, as <clears throat> excuse me as uh, treating glaucoma as treating seizures as treating panic as treating ADHD uh, I mean I mean it helps ADHD. everything but ingrown toenails at least I haven't read well, that I think so probably far. also ingrown toenails as well <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> but if you look at if you if you look at the advancement but remember mar- marijuana is a, a blend of many, many different substances. And if you look at what THC does and what CBD does, CBD does everything good as well or better than marijuana, and it does very little bad. <clears throat> For example, marijuana produces short-term memory, and THC produces impairment of short-term memory. CBD does not do that. CBD is a much better and much more powerful anticonvulsant effect than THC is. Um, it, as far as helping with anxiety, CBD is much, much better than marijuana itself. And marijuana can actually produce uh, anxiety and panic attacks in people. So this, that's the sort of thing that makes it difficult to talk about medical marijuana. <clears throat> and any time you talk about medical marijuana and you're talking about THC being included in that product, you really are talking about the risk of addiction. And you know, addiction is not a nice disease. I think... In our day and age, people have watched, you know, uh, 28 Days or they've watched Intervention on TV and they have this kind of romantic view of addiction. Right. Uh, it's, it certainly is a lot of drama in addiction. I will, I will definitely agree with that, but it's heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking, as our current opiate epidemic should, should be telling us. Well, and we have a, a close family member who started with marijuana, ended up getting into harder drugs. I mean, their life is a train wreck. Um, no matter how yes. hard they try to work out of it, they just can't ever seem to get out of their way. But one of the things that that my wife and I have noticed, and I don't know if this is you know, just our imagination, but it's, it's almost because this started probably as a teenager. It's almost like their brain never developed any further. They still think like a teenager. Does that affect brain development? Yes, it does. Um, and in, in fact, if you look at pictures of the developing brain, there's lots of things happening during adolescence that are forming the brain towards adulthood. Um, All kinds of pathways, what they call preferred pathways, are being um, formed in the brain. So, for example, if you're studying calculus, you're going to learn preferred pathways that help you deal with, you know, with those kind of mathematical problems. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you're smoking marijuana, you're learning things that you're facilitating pathway development that has to do with getting high and chilling out and being unavailable. Um, 
there, there's such tremendous, I don't think our society really appreciates the vulnerability of the adolescent brain in terms of uh, what's going to happen to it that is going to alter uh, their adult functioning for the rest of their lives. One of the things that Nora Volkow showed in her article or, uh, in the New England Journal of Medicine a few years back was that uh, adults who had been using marijuana uh, in, uh, in adolescence uh, re- generally reported lower levels of satisfaction with their life, with their occupation. They were more likely to be on government assistance. Uh, and as a result, and we think that's as a direct result of the, what happens to the brain when people are, are smoking marijuana. Well, and our family members sniffing 40 now, <laughs> and, it, and I feel like I'm still dealing with a 15-year-old. And so that that makes sense, it sounds like, yes, for better or worse. Absolutely, it does. Yep. Is there a link between marijuana and psychiatric disorders? Oh, yes, very much so. We didn't quite understand that uh, back in the 60s and 70s, but the literature is very, very clear. Uh, one a good example, if you just look at ER visits for psychiatric uh, problems, you know, psychiatric meltdowns, um, they've increased, uh, they've more than doubled since marijuana has become, again, a common drug of use in teens, and it's a more potent forms of marijuana have been uh, developed and, and circulated. Well, it's amazing how, uh, and, you know, cigarettes, we all know how bad they are for you, but how they have been demonized, but smoking marijuana is, like you were talking about before, glorified and kind of cool. <clears throat> I, and and that's what prompted me to get involved in this was just the complete uh, misrepresentation in the popular press and in the popular mind about what marijuana is all about. Yeah, I mean it's it's mind-boggling that you can think smoking one thing is terrible and smoking something else is fine when it actually has uh, as bad of an addiction issue and can lead to other other drug use potentially. But that's okay. Let's legalize it and. Uh, make sure we can make some money off it and get some tax money. Yes, and spend more tax money on all the side effects, <laughs> just like we did for smoking. You know, it's actually, it's it, along, speaking directly to that, if you look at the smoke of marijuana, it is more particulate, it is dirtier smoke, much by far than cigarette smoke. But nobody, again, is jumping on that bandwagon. No, no, because it's it's cool and 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 we're making money on it. So if we're making money on it, you know, anytime you do a sin tax, it's hard to get rid of the sin. Mm-hmm. So the <laughs> yes. So the, the other thing is, you know, it's interesting is that as people get older, um, many people uh, who use marijuana find that the adverse effects of marijuana, predominantly the panic and anxiety begin to outweigh any euphoria they're having from the drugs. So that, and I think that's, you know, if you're looking at adult users, that would be that, you know, 85, 90% of adults quit using marijuana when they, on their own. Um, but then one overlooks that 10%, you know, that, that is hooked with it, with an addiction for the rest of their life. That's, that's tragic. And 10% doesn't sound like a lot, but that's a lot of people considering how many people yeah. use marijuana. I mean, you're talking millions of people. Yeah, and worldwide, marijuana is the most commonly abused illicit drug. Wow, I didn't know that, but it makes sense. Yeah. So we only have a couple minutes to go, doctor, but if somebody suspects that they have a loved one struggling with this, what, what should they do? 
if they know anybody who is in recovery, uh, then I would direct them to that person. Uh, almost always, also, there are um, local agencies that can help, and I, I can't, I, I would suspect, for example, that Catholic Charities, uh, we have one here in Michigan, I would suspect the one in, in, in uh, Colorado also, uh, that they would have uh, people who can evaluate the extent of the problem and offer, uh, after the evaluation, offer recommendations for treatment. Um, these are probably preferred modes for, for going, just getting outside help to deal with it. Right. Um, this is a very baffling and cunning disease and requires specialized knowledge in order to intervene effectively. Well, and you've been doing it for 34 years, and my guess is it's uh, from basically from what you said, it sounds like it's, it's just getting worse and worse and worse, especially with the legalization of it. Yes. Yeah, the the and the complete acceptance that whatever feels good should be done. Well, if it's legal, then 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 it must be good, and we all yeah, know that that's it, not always the case. And if it's not illegal, then it should be. It's only those <laughs> those old goats out there that are preventing it. You know? that, that's right. That's right. They're trying to take all my fun away. They want me to be miserable. When in reality, <laughs> we want you to actually be happy. And uh, it's uh, it's like right. the screw tape letters. It's just hard to. <laughs> Right is right and wrong is wrong, but somehow it gets twisted yeah. in our lives. You know, uh, Renera Cantalamesa wrote a book called Sober Intoxication of the Spirit. And if someone wants to know what it's really like to be alive, they should read the first chapter of that. <laughs> well, that's a good that's, well, that's a good recommendation, right? Because people think this is going to make them happy when all it does is take them out of a reality and it keeps them from really knowing the Lord like they should. And that's where our true happiness lies in, in Jesus' redemption. Yeah. That's right. And you see the other end of it when people look for happiness in drugs and marijuana and whatever whatever else it is, and all they find is despair and loneliness and, and heartbreak. Yes, absolutely. That's, that's exactly what's at the end of that rainbow. Well, Doctor, I appreciate all the work that you've done and, and your willingness to come on and just kind of educate people on the dangers of marijuana. I appreciate all that you've done and uh, the conversation today, and hopefully it's helped somebody and given them some comfort. At least they know what's bad and how to turn to what is good. And remember, we always have St. Raphael's counseling to turn to when one of our loved ones or even ourselves is struggling with an addiction. What you can do is call them at 720-377-1359 or go on the web to com. That's strafaelcounseling.com. And they can help you or your loved one who may be struggling with one of these terrible addictions that can ruin a family and ruin somebody's life. <laughs> 